my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Shomlo. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today's Wednesday, August 22nd, and uh, oh, it's already been a long week. I'll be honest. Uh, school is just full of crap. There's just crap I don't want to do. It's just that's what school is. I'm tired. Um, I'm also really excited. I have a great show for you guys today. A bunch of stuff I want to talk about. I want to start with quarterbacks. I want to start with a guy named Blake Bortles. Everybody knows who Blake Bortles is. Blake Bortles is the Jaguars' starting quarterback. Oh, man. Blake Bortles. Where do we begin? What do we, what do, we do with Blake Bortles? See, the NFL preseason works like this. The NFL preseason is kind of like arm wrestling a six-year-old. You're supposed to do well. You're supposed to beat a six-year-old at arm wrestling. If I arm wrestle a six-year-old and I lose, that's a problem. You'd be concerned. You'd go, what's wrong with Zach? How did he lose arm wrestling to a six-year-old? That's because you expect that I win. See, in the preseason, Baker Mayfield is doing fantastic. Baker Mayfield, the Browns rookie quarterback, he's doing great. And you should not overreact to that because he's expected to do well. He's a number one overall pick. He should be doing well. That's the expectation. Well, the Jaguars quarterback, Blake Bortles, is not doing well. He's not meeting expectations. He looks bad. That's concerning. Blake Bortles should not look like a bad quarterback. He should not struggle as much as he has in this preseason. I watched the Jaguars-Vikings game recently, and uh, Blake Bortles only threw one interception, but it should have been two. Blake Bortles had, he hit a guy right in the hands, he dropped the interception, didn't even see the guy, didn't even see him. It's funny, Blake Bortles is throwing right at defenders as if he doesn't even know they're there. You just When Blake Bortles goes back to pass, you just close your eyes and you hope. <laughs> you just hope he doesn't screw it up somehow. And it's interesting, Blake Bortles' understanding of defenses is not getting any better. It's, it's like, dude, what'd you do all offseason, bud? Like, what's happening, man? What did you do? Did you not study defenses all year? It just looks like the game is too fast for Blake Bortles. It's concerning. It's bad. And by the way, this is his fifth year in the NFL. This is... He's got to settle in. He's got to get it going, and he's not. It's time for Blake Bortles to grow up. We, we all know somebody. We all know a guy who never quite grew up. He's a guy that, I'm, I don't know, works at a gas station. He's 29 years old, works at a gas station. And no offense to those guys, but if you're a guy working at a gas station, you're 29 years old working at a gas station, can I, can I tell you something? It's time to grow up. It's time to move on. Look, I'm, I'm not coming at you from a place of... Uh, from my high horse. I work at a car wash in the summer. I'm, I'm a loser. I, I'm in college, but I'm trying for a better life. And Blake Bortles needs to take the step and start getting better, and he's not. Look, I'm trying to help people that are... Get going. Don't settle for a minimum wage job. Don't do that your whole life. Blake Bortles is not growing up. He's not getting any better. Blake Bortles needs to improve, and he's not. You know, my best friend didn't go to college initially. When we graduated, he worked at a movie theater for three years. And when he was 21 years old, he decided to make a grown-up decision. He said, ah, I'm leaving. I'm going to join the Air Force. And I was so proud of him. It took guts. He said, look, I can't stay here. I got to move on. I got to grow up. Blake Bortles needs to grow up. It's time for Blake Bortles to play better, and he's not. We, we've seen flashes of Blake Bortles. Everyone's going to comment, well, did you see Blake Bortles in the playoffs last year against the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's awesome. Blake Bortles had one good moment. Congratulations. But look, that... Let's go back to, I'm going to die on this analogy. Let's go back to the guy working at the gas station. He's 29 years old. He lives at home, makes minimum wage, but he buys a car. He has a car payment. That's a grown-up thing. It's, it's like a flashes of grown-up stuff, but the truth is, he's not grown up. 
he's not doing enough. He's got to take the next step. And Blake Bortles hasn't taken the next step. We've seen moments here and there, but that's not enough. The Jaguars are too good. The Jaguars roster is just too good to be limited by their quarterback just not delivering. It's not good. It's not bad at all. I think the Jaguars need to start exploring other options at quarterback. The, the best option for the Jaguars is this. The Jacksonville Jaguars must trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback for the New York Jets. Uh, they have Sam Darnold. They're not going to use him. And here's the thing. Teddy is a great fit. Teddy Bridgewater is a fantastic fit in Jacksonville, Florida. See, Teddy Bridgewater's from Miami, Florida. He's from Florida. He grew up there. And the division, the AFC South, would be perfect for Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater was drafted to Minnesota. And I was kind of like, eh, I don't know that that fits. He's got a weaker arm. He's going to play outdoors in Lambeau Field and Soldier Stadium, Soldier Field in uh, Chicago. I don't like that. It's not a great fit. But the AFC South is a great perfect spot for Teddy Bridgewater. You play indoors in uh, Texas at Houston. You play indoors in, Indiana- in Indianapolis. You play the Colts, the Texans indoors. You play in Tennessee. You play a bunch of warm weather games. 80 of your games are in Florida all year. It's warm all year there. For a guy with Teddy Bridgewater's arm strength, Florida's great. Jacksonville would be a great fit. But here's the other thing with Jacksonville. If I'm the Jaguars, what excites me about Teddy Bridgewater is the unknown. People forget Teddy Bridgewater was once an, a Pro Bowl quarterback. He was, he was the next guy. He was a franchise quarterback in everybody's mind. Then Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. It was tragic. It was awful. He lost two years of his career. But we don't really know what Teddy Bridgewater is. We know what he could be, and he has potential. We've never, we've never seen signs that he's not a franchise quarterback. He looks fantastic. He looks great in the preseason. And that unknown is exciting. How much of a ceiling does Teddy Bridgewater have? We know what Blake Bortles is. We're, we're starting to learn. He's not as cemented as Andy Dalton is, but we're starting to learn, okay, Blake Bortles he doesn't have it. It's year five. He's still screwing up in the preseason. That's not acceptable. You don't see Tom Brady. You don't even see Jimmy Garoppolo. He's year two of a starter. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing really well in the preseason. It's bad when rookie quarterbacks look better than your starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not good. Sam Darnold looks better than Blake Bortles. If I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would go after Teddy Bridgewater. I would sign him. I'd give up a a lineman. I'd go get Teddy Bridgewater. Because the worst case is this. Worst case, Teddy Bridgewater pushes Blake Bortles and makes him better. But I don't know that Blake Bortles can handle that pressure. I, I don't. I think it's very possible. Teddy Bridgewater joins the Jacksonville Jaguars. Blake Bortles completely falls apart. He wilts, loses the job. Teddy Bridgewater, franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Jags, I just repeat this. The Jaguars are too good. Their roster is too good to be limited by the bad play of Blake Bortles. It's depressing. It's hard to watch. I don't want to see the Jaguars go 8-8 eight and eight and miss the playoffs because their quarterback isn't good enough. <laughs> They're too good. It would be, it's awful. I'm rooting for the Jaguars. It's not fair to everybody on their team if Blake Bortles isn't good enough. He's clearly not doing the work in the offseason. I don't know what he's been doing all year, but he doesn't even see the defenders in the middle of the field. Come on, man. I I just, it's time for Blake Bortles to grow up and he does not appear to be getting better. He hasn't wowed anyone in the preseason. He hasn't done anything exciting. Sam Darnold, I've seen throws gone. Wow, that's awesome. I've seen throws from... Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, everybody. Wow, that's a great throw. Andrew Luck, that's a great throw. Why haven't we seen that from Blake Bortles? It's the preseason. It's like arm wrestling a six-year-old that's supposed to be easy. They're setting you up to succeed, and he can't make it happen. So from the Jaguars, I'm moving off of Blake Bortles. I just, I can't do it. I can't watch it anymore.
I, I might be calling this a little bit early, but I just can't, I can't watch the crap. It's just crap. It's not working. If I'm the Jaguars, I am moving on from Blake Bortles. Okay, we have a great show today. I'm really excited. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm going to talk. I'm going to make two or three analogies about relationships. I just got That's my material today. A lot of relationship stuff. Um, you know, if you know me, I've swam around the pond a time or two. Um, but I also, we're going to talk about Adrian Peterson. We're going to talk about, there's a, a new story out of Texas A&M that just discourages me. We'll talk about that. I'm going to talk about Cam Newton. We'll talk about the Clippers who fired their analyst, Bruce Bowen. We're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to react to Hard Knocks. I finally caught up and watched Hard Knocks. I've got a couple topics about the Browns. I'm going to bury that at the end of the show. Not bury that, but you know what I mean. Uh, that'll be at the end of the show. Remember, if you're new to Strong Opinion Sports, you can subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my shorter, like best, most interesting clips, about five, four or five minutes. And uh, tell your friends about the show. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow the show by telling your friends about it. If you like, especially at like a breakout, if you like a certain topic, tell your friends, man, I agree with Zach Schaumler about Blake Bortles. We got to get rid of him. Something like that. If you agree with me or maybe you hate what I say, tell your friends about it. It just would help me tremendously and it would mean a lot to me. All right. <sighs> I want to talk about Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson just signed a one-year deal with the Washington Redskins. And remember, this is right after the Redskins rookie running back, Darius Geis, tore his ACL. He's out for the year. But I want to make a statement. I don't believe in Adrian Peterson. I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think this is an impactful signing. Look, he might make the roster. He's going to be on the roster. He'll be there all year probably. But this is not a big impact trade. I've been getting messages like, what do you think about Adrian Peterson? And it's weird to me. I'm like, why, are any, why is anybody excited about a 33-year-old running back signing with an average middle-of-the-road team. It's not interesting to me. If you remember, remember Adrian Peterson last year, he, signed, he did a similar thing. He signed with the Arizona Cardinals when their running back, David Johnson, got hurt. But then in December, Adrian Peterson got hurt as well. He hurt his neck. I repeat, Adrian Peterson is 33 years old. And he's rushed for over 12,000 yards in his career. He's been plagued with injuries. Adrian Peterson, there's no reason to be excited. He's, he doesn't give me hope. It's, it's depressing. It's demoralizing. He's not exciting. You know what Adrian Peterson is? Adrian Peterson is an old, beat-up car. You know, I drive a 1995 Toyota Corolla. My brother gave it to me when he died. It's a, it's a red, just beater car. I, I love the car, but it's a beater car. And, and this summer, when it started breaking down, I fixed it myself. Because, look, this car has over 280,000 miles on it. I'm not going to pay somebody else to work on my cards. It's not worth it monetarily. I, it's just not worth the money. The cars, it's not in good shape anymore. It's a beater car. You don't put a lot of money into a old car that's beat up and has a ton of miles on it. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why I would not invest a lot of hope into Adrian Peterson. I don't believe in him. Adrian Peterson is a, quote, former star. He's not a star. He's a former star. He used to be. He's a has-been. Adrian Peterson is 33 years old. He's out of his prime. I don't have any faith in him. I'm not excited to watch him. <laughs> He's boring. He's not any good. Running backs don't last very long anyways, and 33 years old is already old for a running back. Adrian Peterson's all but retired. In fact, let's be honest. If, if the Redskins didn't call Adrian Peterson, he wouldn't be in the league. He was going to retire if he didn't get a phone call this year. Look, I, I like it. I'm not trying to hate on Adrian Peterson. I like him. I grew up in Minnesota. I had a poster of Adrian Peterson on my wall. But I deal in reality. And the reality is Adrian Peterson is 33 years old. He's washed up. 
He's not going to make an impact for the Redskins this year. That is my prediction. You can bank on that. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't believe in Adrian Peterson. I want to now shift your attention to a weird story from Texas A&M football. So there's a player who left Texas A&M. He transferred from A&M over to Arizona, University of Arizona in the Pac-12. And it's noteworthy because this guy followed his former head coach, Kevin Sumlin, from Texas A&M to Arizona. Kevin Sumlin got fired by Texas A&M last year, and he became the new head coach at Arizona. I'm going to be... I'm doing something interesting. This story is very public. Everybody knows the guys made statements. I'm not going to name the player's name in this story because I, I just, I wish it'd been kept public. I know it's not possible, but because of the rules, Manusha, his name had to come out. But I just wish this guy's name hadn't come out because I'm sure this person's name has been, he's been attacked on, like, I guarantee this guy's been attacked online by Texas A&M fans. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk about it. But uh, what happened was this guy transferred away. And, uh, he said he wanted to be. He he said he deserved to be eligible. He was going to take a year off, but he already redshirted. So the only way for him to play this season is after transferring is for him to appeal it. And so he appealed to the NCAA. And what he did was this player said he left Texas A&M because some shady stuff was happening in recruiting under the new head coach at A&M, Jimbo Fisher. Coaches were giving players money. Coaches were treating players poorly, not you know in an uncool way. It wasn't very good. And so this player left Texas A&M to go to Arizona. And again, the only way for him to gain eligibility was for him to be honest. He had to take care of himself. Look, if I'm going to play, i got to say what happened. Otherwise, they're not going to let me play. And the reason why he did this, he used the same exact rule that allowed six Mississippi players to transfer when their program got sanctions. Last year, Mississippi got a bunch of sanctions. All their play- a couple of their players left in the offseason using this rule that says when your team does no good, you're allowed to leave. But now we're in a weird place. So I, I let you know what happened. But we're in a weird place because Texas A&M is now under intense... They're, un, they're under the microscope from the NCAA. And, and I just this is my commentary. I'm so tired of these stories. I'm so tired of hearing about the rules being broken in the NCAA. I just don't care. Shady stuff is happening all the time. I'm just I'm worn out emotionally by it. College football is a broken system. It makes me sad. It makes me disengage. It makes me not care. The rules are bad. The rules are dumb. The rules are in the way of college football. And so everybody breaks them. And yet we still punish people for breaking. Does that make sense? It's just a weird system. Everybody breaks the rules. No, clearly nobody. I mean, every single year we have like three or four teams that get in trouble for this crap. It's like, guys, nobody's following the rules. Can we just be honest about it? Here's my take. Something needs to change. Something must change in college football because emotionally I'm burned out. I just can't hear another story about sanctions. I, I can't get myself to care. And it hurts how much I care about college football because the whole thing feels like a sham. It feels broken. I just, ah. I don't know if I'm alone. Maybe I'm alone. Look, maybe I'm the only one that's just kind of tired of college football. But look, we know who's going to be in the top 10 every year. We know, it, there's no, I don't know. Something needs to change. It's just for me, it's, it's, Every year we hear more stories about more guys doing bad stuff, and I just can't. I can't anymore. I'm down. I'm done. I, I just am. I'm, I'm burned out, and I'm tired of hearing stories about NCAA sanctions. I'm gonna drink some water. Do you like my shirt? I got it. It's five bucks. 
I got this this red, maroon, purple, whatever you call it, shirt for five bucks. I started wearing the uh, the short T-shirts because it's just so hot. I can't even I can't even imagine wearing a long sleeve shirt in here. It's just it's just overwhelmingly hot. And the worst part is I can't open the window because if I open the window, the smoke comes in. So it's kind of a catch twenty two. It sucks. I want to talk about Cam Newton. There's been a bunch of Cam Newton drama recently, and you know it's not really. It's not really fair to say Cam Newton drama. It's drama. It's beef between Cam Newton and his former wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin. See, Kelvin Benjamin, Cam's former wide receiver, called him out. His former receiver said, Cam Newton's inaccurate. You all know this if you don't catch up. But he called him out. He called out Cam Newton. And then before the Panthers and the Bills played each other in a preseason game, the two met on the field. They talked. It was awkward. There's a weird exchange. Kelvin Benjamin, in my opinion, was immature. And remember, Kelvin Benjamin, the former teammate of Cam Newton, would not shake Cam Newton's hand. So I want to play a video now. I want to play a video from the other day, and I want you to just take a listen and watch. This is what Cam Newton did. This is how Cam Newton's responded to Kelvin Benjamin's recent criticism. I mentioned it before, but I'm going to just tell you, I need things around me just like this wall. And you probably know, you probably ask yourself, like, why this wall is just so basic? But it never changed on me. It's the same wall every single day. I like that. And I need things, people, around me. It's like this wall. Ain't gonna change Same sign, same color. <laughs> okay, um, here's my issue with this. I, I totally understand Cam Newton's reaction. I understand what Cam Newton is saying. What Cam Newton is saying is, Kelvin Benjamin and I used to be friends. But then Kelvin Benjamin changed on me. That's what he's saying. He's using the walls as an analogy to say, I wish my friends were more consistent. Kelvin Benjamin changed his personality on me. He left me behind. And, and that's all interesting, but I, I really don't like how Cam Newton did it. I don't like the way the message was delivered. Here's the thing. I don't want my franchise quarterback making vague statements, making weird, passive-aggressive comments about anybody. I don't want, Tom Brady wouldn't do that. Drew Brees wouldn't do that. Russell Wilson wouldn't do that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers even would do that. Nobody would do that. But Cam Newton does. That's who Cam Newton is. And my whole problem is if you're going to respond, I, I wouldn't respond. If I'm a, an NFL franchise quarterback, I'm not going to respond to that at all. But if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to make a comment on it, I'm going to go all the way. He made this weird like half step kind of passive aggressively saying how he felt. Just say it. If you're going to make a statement, just say it. Here's what I wish Cam Newton had said. I wish Cam Newton was direct. Again, if you're going to say anything, you might as well actually go all the way. Cam Newton should have said this. Cam Newton should have said, you know, we were friends and he changed on me. That hurt my feelings. He should have said something like that. Actually address the issue. Say how you really feel. Say, talk about it. Be, if you're going to go there, just be honest and be authentic. Don't kind of do this weird half and half thing. I didn't understand at all. Now, truthfully, I don't think Cam Newton should have said anything. But again, if you're going to say something, how about you just be a real example for let's directly a faces head on. It's already public. I, I get it. But this thing, everybody knows what happened. So a passive aggressive comment just looks petty and small. I just, I just don't like the way he did it. I don't like the way the message was delivered. This wall, no. Say, I, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. My friend changed on me. He bailed on me. My feelings are hurt. How about you say that? I would respect that. I still wouldn't. Actually, you know, honestly, I can't, I can't be hypocrite about this. I would honestly prefer that. I would not be critical of Cam Newton if he just said how he really felt. If he was honest and authentic, I'd say, 
I've never seen that before. I've never seen anybody do that. And I would appreciate that. But this just feels weird. This passive-aggressive statement about the wall when he's really talking about Kelvin Benjamin. That feels like something a middle schooler would do. He's not a middle schooler. He's an NFL franchise quarterback. That, uh, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I, I, maybe I'm alone, but I just, man, if you're going to say it, say it. Don't do a weird half step. Don't we a weird, I just, I'm not a fan of that at all. And so I really don't like the way Cam Newton approached this. This statement about the wall. Come on, man. If you're going to say it, say it. Otherwise, don't address the issue at all. I have to acknowledge something. I must acknowledge this. The 49ers took a risk when they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo only has seven starts in the NFL. And they signed him to a, a giant deal worth $137.5 million, five years. Now look, Jimmy Garoppolo is amazing. And I think it's going to work out in San Francisco. I do. I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. But we all must acknowledge the risk. Jimmy Garoppolo was a risk the 49ers took. But I think, I think it was the right risk. And here's what I want to I make a comparison here. I took a risk this summer. I met a girl who was the coolest girl I've ever met in my life. She's gorgeous. She was smart. She made me laugh harder than anybody I'd ever met. And I knew at the end of the summer I was going to move away. I knew the risk I took. And, and when it came time, she broke up with me. And it sucked. It hurt. But I knew the risk I was taking. And I thought it was the right move anyways. Because sometimes the opportunity is just too good. I think that's how... I feel about the 49ers. That's why the 49ers were right to sign Jimmy Garoppolo. I finally understand it now. It's, they knew the risk they were taking, but it was the right risk because the opportunity was so good. It was too good to pass up. I have no regrets. I got burned. It sucked, but I had to go for it. I, I had to. I, I'd never, things were too good for me to not fully commit. And again, the 49ers fully committed to Jimmy Garoppolo. Signed a five-year deal, $137.5 million. I want to address Jimmy Garoppolo's play in the preseason. Remember, in the preseason, you're supposed to look good. It's like arm wrestling a six-year-old. You're, the expectation is that you succeed and do well. If you lose arm wrestling to a six-year-old, you go, oh, that's not good at all. Blake Bortles struggling. That's not good. Jimmy Garoppolo looks really good. It looks easy for Jimmy Garoppolo. He looks comfortable. He's shredding everybody. And, and I have even more good news. Good news is Jimmy Garoppolo's head coach, Kyle Shanahan is being hard on him. He's expecting even more. See, in the preseason game, too, Jimmy Garoppolo was 10 for 12, had a touchdown. He also threw an interception. It bounced off uh, Dante Pettis' hands. But I'm, I'm so encouraged when I watch Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm so excited. He looks fantastic. He had a money touchdown to Trent Taylor. But here's, here's what I really love about Jimmy Garoppolo. The way he moves in the pocket is just perfect. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't run to run. He runs to throw. And he doesn't really even run very often. He just, very similar to Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo will slide around. He'll make a step, he'll move left, move right, step up, hit the guy in stride. It's, it's really fantastic. But here's, again, I love Kyle Shanahan being critical of Jimmy Garoppolo. Because what Kyle Shanahan is telling us, Jimmy Garoppolo looks good. He could be even better. That is awesome. We can all admit the 49ers took a risk. They signed a guy with only seven starts to a huge contract. They fully committed. But I think it was the right move. A, because he's too good to pass up. But B, I think it's actually going to work out. It's fantastic. I, I think it's awesome. It was too good of an opportunity to pass up on Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe, is going to succeed. And the more I watch Jimmy Garoppolo, the more it's hard not to get really excited about the 49ers. I predicted them to go 9-7. and seven. That, 
I could be low. I, I'll be honest. You know, I'm starting to, what I'm going to do at the end of the preseason, I'm going to make a, a video, probably do a whole podcast about it, kind of updating my predictions where I'm, I think I was wrong, kind of adjusting some things. It looks like I'm going to have to adjust the 49ers. Look, I know it's the preseason. I know he's supposed to look good, but man, it, really what's exciting is how comfortable he looks in the pocket. We all expect him to do well. Look, it's the preseason, but the way he's moving in the pocket is so encouraging. He's so comfortable. And it's just, man, it's a great, it's a great thing. If I'm a 49er fan, I am so ecstatic. They got a franchise quarterback, and I think he's going to do really well for years to come. But that marriage, coach, and quarterback, it's, it's incredible. It's really perfect. So a while back, the LA Clippers fired their analyst, Bruce Bowen. <clears throat> Bruce Bowen is a former NBA player. He was working as a television analyst for the Clippers. And the reason why Bruce Bowen was fired is because Bruce Bowen was critical of Kawhi Leonard. He, he said he was concerned about Kawhi Leonard's year last year with the Clippers or with the Spurs. He didn't play very much. It was kind of a weird season last year. And Bruce Bowen has been critical of Kawhi Leonard in the past. But the Clippers want Kawhi Leonard. The LA Clippers want to sign Kawhi Leonard in free agency next year. And so they can't have one of their employees speaking negatively about Kawhi Leonard, their key target. So that's why I never want to work in local radio. That's why I never want to work in local radio, why I would rather never work for a football team or any, any sports team. The problem is if you work in a local market, you can't be honest. It sucks. That's, that's not exciting, but that's reality. You can't be honest if you work in a local market. If you work in Portland, Oregon, you have to give the Blazers the benefit of the doubt. And if you're going to be critical, you have to use very careful wording. You can't be honest. Bruce Bowen was honest. He shared his actual concerns, and he got fired because of it. That's, that's why right there, I will never, ever go. I, I just don't want to do local radio. I, I would rather do this by myself. I don't know. Yeah, I really struggle with college. I, I really, oh, I, I hate my program. I, don't hate, I shouldn't say hate. Hate's not the right word. It ends conversations. You can't go there. I already did that once, whatever. I really struggle with my program. I think there are some really big problems. I think there are things I would, I would love to change. Um, but I, and I have no say. No one cares what I have to say. Um, I'm, you know, I've just done a lot of professional work, whatever. Um, but I, I can't share my frustrations specifically until I graduate. And the reason is because I'm still in the midst of the program. And, and I understand Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen got fired for the same reason I can't talk about college openly. I can't actually share my frustrations. I can't say this is dumb, that's dumb, that needs to change, that's a mistake because I'm still in the thick of it. I still have overlords over me saying, I, I can't talk badly about the guy paying me. I can't talk badly about the guy choosing my grade. And uh, Bruce Bowen, what he did was really go against the, what the organization's goals are. And it sucks. He can't be honest. He didn't know his place. I got to know my place in college. Bruce Bowen didn't know his place. He was honest, and he got fired. And it's, it sucks. It's disappointing. Uh, but that's why I like doing my own thing. That's why I like doing Strong Opinion Sports on YouTube, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, by myself. I have nobody looking down at me. I have nobody to answer to. I have freedom to say exactly what I actually believe. You might hate me for it, but I can say what I believe, and it's really important we have that. It's really important to have that authenticity. I can say what I actually think. And it's sad that Bruce Bowen got fired for saying what he actually believed. I understand it. Look, you got to know your place. Bruce Bowen didn't, but it's sad he got fired for saying what he actually authentically believed. 
We're going to talk about Hard Knocks. I finally watched Hard Knocks. I finally got it. I finally caught up. So the, the first episode's on YouTube. I watched that a while ago. But when I moved into college, I got HBO a go on my phone through the, through the school. Oh, man. I watched Hard Knocks. And um, I want to share my notes. I want to share my insights on the Browns after three episodes. First of all, I got to say, I don't really like the show very much. <laughs> I don't like Hard I really was excited. And I enjoy watching. I get excited for every episode because I know it's like, ooh, the cool thing, the Browns. But I really don't like the show. It's not, in my opinion, very well done. I don't, it's, it's really, it's fake. It doesn't feel very good. You know, Hard Knocks is too slick for me. Last Chance U is a better show. Last Chance U is a great show. All or Nothing on Amazon. Those are the two superior football shows. Hard Knocks is kind of getting left behind because it's so archaic and old and feels scripted and just not nat- natural. I don't like it. But also, you know, I, they, the show looks too, many, too much at things that don't have anything to do with football. I don't care about Corey Coleman's shoes. I don't care about David Njoku's meditation or Miles Garrett's poetry. What I want to hear about is Baker Mayfield's relationship with Tyrod Taylor's father. Tyrod Taylor, excuse me. Tyrod Taylor's father is around and Baker Mayfield knows him. They, they high-fived and seem to have some kind of rapport. It's interesting to me. I want to hear about Antonio Callaway, the wide receiver who got in trouble with the law. I want to hear about his stuff off the field. Is he connecting with Jarvis Landry when he goes home? I don't know. But what's annoying about Hard Knocks is what they show, so much of what they show on the television is just mundane and boring. It's nothing to do with football. It's not interesting to me. It drives me nuts. And it's, it's interesting, though. They do frame the Browns to be extremely likable. I, I got to give you something honest. When I first watched the, the episode one, I thought Hugh Jackson was a total cornball. I, I really just didn't like Hugh Jackson. He looked weird and goofy. I didn't like him. I didn't resonate with him. He just seemed like a, a fake coach but then I remembered okay episode one what was going on in the first week of training camp Hugh Jackson the head coach's brother died his mother died he's going through a ton the dude is probably struggling of course he's acting fake I remember when my brother died I was probably fake nice to everybody for like two years <laughs> um but the turning point for me there's a moment I want to play from my phone uh, and I'll probably dub it over with better audio but there's a moment I recorded uh in hard knocks that just was so cool to me. It's a moment where Hugh Jackson is talking to Baker Mayfield, and I just thought it was so cool. I'm going to play it now. I'm play it now. Ready? You love the games, don't you? I know you do. What you do it for? You know how to do it. Proud of you. Did some good things, man. Made some throws. And we ain't going to stop you from growing, bro. We're going to keep, keep pushing you there. Keep driving this team. And I can't show you the video from that. I'll get in trouble with HBO. But I, what I want to say, the thing there is, Hugh Jackson says, Baker, I'm proud of you. You're doing some good things. And I just, I love that. It's exciting to me. I think that's awesome. Baker Mayfield comes across as really mature in the show, which is encouraging because we know what happened to him in college. He had all kinds of weird little problems. Not all kinds of. He had a couple weird little incidences. And uh, what I love, I'm so excited for the Browns because it seems like the Browns have a guy who finally gets it. They have a quarterback who finally is a professional, takes it seriously. It seems like Baker Mayfield is going to succeed there. And uh, I, I just, I love his approach. I'm excited for him. And I, I really like the, the relationship Hugh Jackson and Baker Mayfield have. They're, they seem to have a good relationship, and I, I just am excited about that. So I don't, I don't really care about Baker Mayfield's mistakes in college. I know some people still are like, well, you did this in college. Look, I think, in fact, they were valuable lessons, and it seems like Baker Mayfield has learned from them. Week one, he wasn't showing up on time. He's getting there earlier now. He's doing better stuff. I, I'm, I really like Baker Mayfield's approach. I want to go back to Last Chance U. Last Chance U is just a better show all around. Hard Knocks is, 
it's not self-aware. Like on last chance, you players break the fourth wall. They talk to the camera. We don't get any of that here. It just feels like a show. Um, but I do. I want to say the Browns seem like the place to be. It's competitive. Jarvis Landry is good for the locker room. It's so cool to me. Um, you know, Jarvis Landry's not quite as mature as I'd like. He's not Larry Fitzgerald, right? I would love him to be Larry Fitzgerald. I just don't think that's who he is. You know, I, I wish he would take Antonio Callaway under his wing off the field and kind of help him mature and grow and keep going. And, and maybe maybe Jarvis Landry is doing that. We just don't see that side of him. But I, and also, I'd rather Jarvis Landry not get into fights with players. Although, again, I like the competitive edge. I, th- I think that Jarvis Landry is a competitor who makes the Browns better. He's elevating the entire roster. He's competitive. He's making plays. He elevates everybody. He's feisty. He's fierce. You don't mess with him. And I, and I really, I, I think that's the best signing that the Browns made all offseason. Tyrod Taylor is good. He's stability. He's awesome. He, he slows down the process for Baker Mayfield. But Jarvis Landry appears to be the key focal point for the team. He sets the tone. He's pushing everybody. He's, he's yelling. He's screaming in, in a good way, a positive way. And I'm so excited for the Browns. And I think signing Jarvis Landry was clearly such a good move. Also, I love the Browns offensive line coach. He's just a, a wonderful, goofy, jolly man. Uh, and even Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, seems like a gruff guy, like a gruff kind of, he'll yell at you at times, but he also seems like a normal human. You can have a conversation with him. The guy I don't like is Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator for the Browns. I don't, <laughs> does this guy ever not yell? I don't understand. I don't know. I've never heard him talk normally once in the entire show. I, I, I watched all three episodes. There's not a single clip of him not yelling. I don't know. I, I get tough love. I understand you got to, you got to push people, but yelling 24-7 eventually, even the best people will eventually tune you out. I just, I don't know. But, you know, I don't know. You got to be able to deliver a message in a way that people will listen to. And I don't know that Greg Williams, a defensive coordinator, does that. Look, I don't really know. What do I know? I'm a guy in a room. I'm not there. And it does seem like defense is somewhat different. Um, and and, and Demarius Randall, for example, came over from the Packers. He likes it. The Packers are well coached, and Demarius Randall seems to like Cleveland, so I don't know. The final thought from Hard Knocks is this. I, uh, Hugh Jackson has really grown on me over the course of the show. I didn't like him in the beginning. It seemed like a goofy, corny kind of dude that just wasn't, wasn't a professional. He's really matured. I, I, not really. I'm sure he's just been he's struggling on personal life and really just maturing on his own, and maybe the show is portraying him different. I have no idea. But Hugh Jackson really won me over when he talked to Des Bryant. Des Bryant comes in from the, he's, he was a Cowboys last year, he's a free agent, flies into Cleveland. He meets with everybody in the Browns uh, organization. And I loved this conversation because Hugh Jackson was honest. Hugh Jackson said all the right things. So I don't know. I, I just, I really, Hugh Jackson grew on me in that moment. I'll revisit that in a minute. I'll talk about, you know, Des Bryant, why I don't think Des Bryant should go to the Browns. But I just got to say, Hard Knocks is a, it's an encouraging look at the Cleveland Browns. It makes them... It makes me excited to watch them. And it seems like the culture is actually finally changing in Cleveland. That is awesome. Look, Tyrod Taylor's great. Jarvis Landry's the key, though. He is helping them change. He's changing the culture. I like Todd Haley. I also really like Hugh Jackson. He's grown on me. I hope he wins. I hope he keeps his job. I, I, I never have felt more convicted after watching those three episodes. I hope Hugh Jackson can make it work. He might not. He might get fired. But I, I hope, I hope from all hopes that Hugh Jackson could figure it out and keep his job in Cleveland because he seems like a nice man. And I like his relationship with Baker Mayfield. And that's my final point is Baker Mayfield. 
Baker Mayfield is the future of the Cleveland Browns. I, I've never bought in more than watching him reset. Like, I hope they take their time. I hope they're patient. But I really think Baker Mayfield is the real deal. He's going to work out in Cleveland. That's my prediction. I think Baker Mayfield will succeed. He is the guy long-term in Cleveland. Okay, I want to shift gears now to Des Bryant. I want to, I want to bring your attention to Des Bryant because Des Bryant, oh, he just visited the Cleveland Browns. And uh, I, I want to make a statement. If Des Bryant doesn't play football this year, it's his fault. It's Des Bryant's fault if he doesn't play. It's his issues he needs to figure out. Uh, truthfully, I think Des Bryant believes he's worth way more money than he really is. Um, but I just get, I get such bad vibes from Des Bryant. There's a person in my life, I'm not going to tell you more about it, but this person keeps reaching out to me. Uh, they keep reaching out to me personally. They keep saying, I, I want to help you, Zach. I help. Here's how I can help you. This and that and this and that. And I don't trust them. I've been burned by them before, and I don't trust this person that keeps reaching out to me. I don't want their help. I'm making a very passive-aggressive statement here. I don't want that person's help. I don't trust them. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with them. I don't, think they're have, I don't think they have my best interest. I think they're doing something uh, shady. And I don't think Des Bryant has his, the Browns' best interest in mind. I think Des Bryant is concerned about Des Bryant. I, I don't think Des Bryant cares about the Browns. He, he seems like cancer to me. I just, I just get a bad vibe. You know, there was a scene in Hard Knocks where Des Bryant sits down with Hugh Jackson, the head coach of the Browns. And Des Bryant kept taking shots at the Dallas Cowboys. I don't get it. He'd say things like, man, I've, I've never seen authenticity like this before in an NFL program. Or you know, this is what players really want is people who are honest and real. No, thank you. That's ridiculous. Des Bryant, move on. You're the girl who gets broken up with and can't ever get past it. They just keep saying bad things about their ex-boyfriend. Des needs to move on from the Cowboys. He clearly, it's still stuck on him. I really like the Browns locker room right now, and I wouldn't screw with it. Antonio Callaway, the rookie wide receiver, he needs guidance. He needs help. He needs leadership around him. I don't think Des Bryant is a leader you want to put around rookie wide receiver Antonio Callaway. That sounds like a mess. If I am rooting for a team, I would keep Des Bryant far, far away from them. I would not want Des Bryant anywhere near a team that I want to win games this year. It's funny, man. It's just Des Bryant's issues. Des Bryant feels like cancer. He's caught up on the Cowboys. He's talking about himself. We've seen him be immature in the past. We've got burned by him in the past. Watch all or nothing with the Dallas Cowboys. He looks like a mess. He's calling out the Cowboys on Twitter still. Stop. Grow up. Move on. And I just want to point out, if, if Des Bryant doesn't play anywhere this next football season, it's his fault. He's had opportunities, and he's clearly just not making the most of them. If Des Bryant doesn't play football this year, it's on him. And I, I would not. If I'm the Browns, I would not want to bring Des Bryant into my locker room. That scares me. I, that doesn't make me comfortable. I don't like him. And so I would not bring him in. Especially, he comes in trashing the Cowboys? Come on, man. Grow up. It's not about the Cowboys. It's about the Browns now. And Des Bryant clearly hasn't moved on. Needs to grow up. There's a last thing I want to say here. I want to talk about Corey Coleman. The Browns traded Corey Coleman to the Buffalo Bills. Remember, Corey Coleman's a former first-round pick, and uh, they traded Corey Coleman to the Bills for basically nothing. They traded him for a seventh-round pick in 2020. The reason why the Browns traded Corey Coleman is because Corey Coleman asked for a trade. Now, I don't know that I'm perfectly represented. Corey Coleman claims there's more to the story, but here's what I know. If Corey Coleman did indeed ask for a trade, if Corey Coleman didn't want to be there with 
the Browns in Cleveland. And then I like this move. I, I, I've read some concern online. Did the Browns make a mistake? You know, Corey Coleman's a first-round wide receiver. They traded him away for nothing. Uh, here's a lesson. If someone doesn't want to be with you, if someone asks to be removed from you, you can't force them to work with you. Even in football, even if you're paying them, look, if Corey Coleman has a bad attitude, doesn't want to be in Cleveland, you can't, you can't, work, you can't force him to be there. If someone doesn't want to talk to you, you can't. A girl once broke up with me over text. And it sucked because we hung out for a long, long time. We got along really well. And just out of nowhere, broke up with me over text. It was really weird. It was really hard. Uh, you know, and I, I was like, what the heck? I was hurt. But what I learned from that experience was sometimes people just don't want to be with you. And you can't, you can't force it. You can't, you can't force them to talk to you. You can't even force them to break up with you in person. <laughs> you just got to let them, got to let them go. And Corey Coleman appeared to not want to be in Cleveland. And you can't force somebody to have a relationship with you. You can't force somebody to be on your football team. If Corey Coleman's in Cleveland with a bad attitude right now, that not only doesn't help Corey Coleman, that doesn't help the Browns. It's bad for everybody involved. It's better to ship him off somewhere where he can do something else, have a better attitude. I, I think if Corey Coleman was unwilling to be in the Browns organization, the Browns did the right thing. If Corey Coleman really was not wanting to be there, if he really requested a trade, then yeah, the Browns did the right thing because you can't work with people that don't want to work with you. All right, my name is Zach Schaumler. This is my, that's my show for today. Um, I just, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys. I, uh, I'll be back Friday. My hope is to do a, a somewhat of a college football preview on Friday. If nothing else, I'll just talk about the Pac-12. I got some thoughts on the Pac-12, um, and I, uh, I'm really excited. I, I've already started prepping the new show. It's going to be great. And I just want to say thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your support. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you watching on YouTube. And, um, man, I, I just... Uh, this, this is my favorite thing. You know, I, I hate college. I, don't, I can't say that. I struggle with college. I don't enjoy it. I, um, I don't, most of the time, I don't want to be here. I, I like my room. I like my setup. I like the housing. I like going to the gym. My classes just irritate me so much. And so having a thing like this, having strong opinion sports, something to kind of pour all my, my energy into is, is so um, incredible. And I, I just appreciate you guys watching. It means so much to me. So thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great day. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, everywhere else. An entire hour-long podcast is on YouTube as well as shorter, my shorter, more interesting clips. And if you like Strong Opinion Sports, help me grow by telling your friends about the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. That's all I have for today. I'll be back on Friday. Hope you guys enjoy this. I'm going to get this out soon. It's, it's, uh, it's 7.30 right now, so hopefully this will be out by 9. Uh, it's Internet's way faster. I appreciate that. So I'll be, right ba- I'll, be, I'll be back on Friday. Thank you so much, and have a great day. But um bum bam, we are done. Bye.